All right. Well, we're going to jump into a new lesson today. Right, going through the ABCs, I, I, you know, uh, M, we looked at money, and it's not money that's wrong. It's the love of money and the love of things that can trip us up. But um, the letter N, I kind of kind of get creative with this one because not a lot of stuff begins with the letter N. But I began thinking about, uh, I wrote with Pastor John uh, a couple weeks ago. Me and Hunter rode up to Hillsville one Monday and spent the day with our preacher friend Joe Bryan up there at his new church. And so we delegated John to drive because he's got the new truck. <laughs> and uh, you sit in the new truck and it just smells new. And uh, and my mind kind of went to this a little bit the other day when I was preparing it. I was thinking about, it. doesn't everybody want something new? Maybe, maybe not the case, but... It's nice to have new things. Now, we talked about money and the love of money and the love of things and how that can trip you up. But again, it's the love of it. It's not the things that trip you up. And uh, here in a few weeks, I hope I'm finally done with my shop. And it's only taken me a year. But in a sense, once I get everything done, it'll still be new. But as time progresses, it'll age and have to be repaired and this, that, and the other. But still, whether it's a new house, new car, new wife new husband <laughs> new new whatever uh you know over time it the newness wears off uh but i began thinking i thought everything that the lord gives us truly in a sense is uh new and so i began thinking about how we wanted to outline this so i come up with seven things and uh, we may get through them all today and there again we may not but that's okay uh Revelation 21.5. Someone read that while I shut this door, because I hear everything in the background. <clears throat> and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I make all things new. Uh, very familiar passage there in the book of Revelation. And uh, if you've ever studied the book of Revelation, which we're going to do, but we're not going to go verse by verse and phrase by phrase um, on Sunday mornings. Um, and let me say, I will try to break down last Sunday morning's message a little bit different. I know a lot of a lot of folks said, you know, that was good, but I didn't get it all. So I'm going to go back and maybe next Sunday morning try to simplify that so we can understand that we do serve a sovereign God, that everything's in his control. And some things happen that we don't understand. And we may not understand until we get to heaven. But when the Lord shows us, we will see why he allowed things to happen. But anything, anyway, once you get to the book of uh, Revelation towards the end, chapters 21 and chapter 22, it really talks about eternity and it talks about our, our, our new home. But he doesn't go into in really any depth, any deep details. He tells us just enough to let us know that it will whet our appetite and make us wondering. Entices. <laughs> Alan, my buddy Alan, down, down in JR's class, he says if God told us everything about heaven, well, he says we may be thinking about suicide during tough times <laughs> just to get there. Uh, just to get there. And uh, we, we, but, but the Lord, he, he wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. If we can see it, it ain't faith. Uh, but when this life is over, and nobody likes to talk about death, but for the believer, death is just a doorway you walk through to get you into eternal eternity with, with, with Jesus. It's a new door. Death uh, is the cause of your new beginning. Death is the cause of your new beginning. Yep. <laughs> Tony Newcomb, uh, Tony died uh, last February. And Tony always said, when you get to the end, it's just the beginning. 
he had lost two he had lost a wife and one of his daughters to cancer and his other daughter was was had to have everything removed or because she was a carrier of that same genetic so when tony's daughter was dying and she she had such a strong faith she said you know i feel like the biggest kid standing in the longest line at the fair to, to get on the fastest biggest ride she said i know i'm gonna die but i know what god's got for me waiting so tony that's when he always said when you get to the end it's really just the beginning and truly it is and so God who sits on the throne says, I make all things new. So there's seven things. The first all is going to be a little bit deeper, a little bit more. Um, uh, you got to think about it. There's a new covenant. Now, covenant is just a promise from God. Now, we break promises, whether hopefully not intentional, but we break promises by accident or we get sick or we forget or we get busy. Uh, but God's covenants they're like a guarantee. It's almost like a notarized signed document that you know is going to come true. Well, he gave one to Abraham in the book of Genesis. And that uh, that covenant was to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you and make you the father of many nations. And you're going to have more as, as many descendants as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. And here's the problem. At that time, Abraham and Sarah hadn't had their first child. <laughs> but God gives him... Um, uh, well, he gets ahead of God and has Ishmael, who's the father of the Muslim nation. But then he gives the promised son through Isaac to him and Sarah. And man, look at all the, the children that they had and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And literally, he's the father of the Jewish nations. Uh, so that covenant come true. Abraham, father Abraham. By the way, that's why Muslims hate Christians. Give you a little little background. Biblical times, it was always the firstborn, the firstborn son, got a double portion of the father's inheritance. And the sons after that just got what was left. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you and Sarah a child. And after about nine years, they still didn't have no child. And, and Sarah was 90 years old by the time she had. And they're in the 80s, like, where's this child? So Sarah has this harebrained idea. I'm going to give you my handmaid. I'm going to give you my maiden, my servant. And you lie with her. And she's going to bear you a son. And we're going to take care of it and raise it like it's ours. You can't get ahead of God. You've got to always wait on God. That son was born by, Ishmael, uh, by Hagar. And Ishmael was born. The Muslims said that Ishmael is the rightful heir of everything that's Abraham's. It should, the blessing, the inheritance should have went to Ishmael. God said in Genesis, I forget what chapter, he says, take your son, your only son, talking to Abraham. He's talking about Isaac. You can look it up real quick. He says, take your only son, Isaac. So God didn't even recognize Ishmael because he was not the son of promise. Isaac was. So all of Abraham's inheritance and all the blessing went to Isaac. That's why the Muslims hate Christians to this day. Because they said, you robbed Ishmael of his blessings. All right. But anyway, but that covenant came true. And uh, April will find it here in just a second. But 27. chapter 27, okay, Genesis chapter 27. I, I always thought it was a little bit later in Genesis. But, but anyway... Now, I'm going off of memory for this, but I promise you I'm telling you the truth. I've, I've studied it intensely. All right. But that was the Abrahamic covenant. God gave another covenant to David. 
King David, who was a man after God's own heart, who literally was one of the greatest warriors of all time, greatest military mm-hmm. minds of all time. You'd have loved David, brother. <laughs> um, David sins with Bathsheba, gets her pregnant, goes and has her husband killed on the front line. David made a mess of things. But David was truly repentant and sorry, and God forgave him. But God said, David, I will, I will bless you. You will help rule and reign with me all eternity. And so David is going to be, even though we hadn't met him, we will meet him one day, King David. He's going to rule and reign with Christ. So the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant. Then God give, yes, ma'am. Is that why they, the, the father was, he couldn't see that whale? Is that what uh, no, you're thinking. You're thinking about. Uh, you're thinking about Jacob. You're thinking about Jacob and Isaac and Esau. Oh, okay. yeah. You said Genesis 27. So that's what I'm reading. Okay. Um, it may not be. Um, I mean, that's what I googled. Was yeah. It's no. It's no problem. All the blessings. Just put. Just go, Just Google. Take thine only son. Yeah. Take thine only son. Um, yeah. But you're right. That's that's Jacob when he blesses his two sons, Isaac and Isaac and. Esau, no, not Isaac and Esau, Jacob and Esau. That's Isaac. 22. Take thy son, thine only son. Okay. Um, I should write notes, but sometimes the Lord puts me on. All the blessings were given to Isaac, and that's what he Mm. might Yeah. 22. Okay. 22. Take Isaac, thy son. So you know what that means? Even though Abraham had a son in Ishmael, God didn't recognize him as his heir. Isaac was the son of promise, not Ishmael. But that's why the Muslims hate the Jews to this day, and they will always hate the Jews. If the, if the Jews and the, and the Muslims didn't have guns, they'd throw rocks and sticks at each other. That's just that's just that's just how it is. All right. What does it mean when it says a, as a burnt offering? Because it says, "Take thy son Isaac." He said, "Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest." And offer, and, and and it said, and offer him there for a burnt offering. It it, it meant literally that. Yeah, literally, literally, that's what it meant. But he went. I mean, I thought that, but I was like, no. Didn't he take somebody? Yes, yes. He. It was. What? It was a test of faith, and what I personally think. It was the like greatest. Can turn it? Is that take no. it? <laughs> take it. Slit its throat. Let the blood spill out. Light it on fire. Okay. Okay. It was a test of faith. And somebody would say this is a cruel God. God had to know. All right. God knew Moses, uh, Abraham trusted him. God wanted to prove to Abraham that he himself trusted God. So could y'all get this? Abraham waited for that son for ten years. God finally gives it to its son, gives him a son, and God says, "Okay." And 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 Isaac is probably a 18, 19 years old at this time. It was a test. It was a test of the love of a father and the obedience of the son. It's hey, it's all a picture of God and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, hang on. It gets better. It gets deeper. That's deep. No, I don't know about anybody in their right mind would. I don't know anybody in their right mind. Really but back then, that's the way God tested. Yeah, well, Jesus hadn't been sent yet. It's the same. Which... Yeah. Well, hey, look. But Abraham, Abraham was obedient. It's a picture of God the Father and Jesus the Son. 
Abraham was an old man, Isaac could have fought his dad and got out of that. Isaac was Abraham's only son. Jesus was God's only son. Isaac willingly let his father lay him on that altar. Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross. It's a picture. Now it really gets deep. The hill they were on was Mount Moriah. Mm -hmm. You know another name for Mount Moriah? (laughs) Golgotha. Golgotha. Calvary's hill. Sounds Yep. So where he took Isaac and his same Same way as where, where Jesus, it's just a picture of it. It's just an Old Testament picture. Isaac, it's deep, but it's good. When you grasp the whole symbolism and, and picture of it, um, it's good. Hey, up. To have that faith. To have that, the faith. To me, that's, I mean, a, that's just. To me, that is the greatest test of faith in all of Scripture. Well, it's, it's funny because we were talking, we were, you were just talking about this. Is, you know, when I work in my office, I have the TV going. I have a fire stick. And I had Noah going the other day. Mm-hmm. And the movie Noah with uh, Russell Crowe in that. And, and, you know, when the one... And by the way, they said that is an awful movie with a horrible depiction right, of what Scripture right, says. Right, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that's just what I've been doing. He likes to watch it because he says, oh, wait a minute. But what I was oh, getting at is, you know, they took in the young child after the family had been murdered. She was unable to bear children because of an injury she sustained, you know. But yet they went and spoke, and she bare, you know, was bearing child, and Noah was like, "I'm getting, you know, this from God that I that this child's not supposed to be here to okay. to murder the child, basically, you know, while they were on the ark." So okay. that's why I was just saying it was like his yeah. test of faith. Well, yeah, well, which, which again, that's a Hollywood movie, right, so I don't right. know if that's a good example. Well, I know, but I was just saying yeah. because he was he was going by sure. faith, even though it was you and that, and that's was, what and that's what Abraham was. Abraham, it was a test of faith. It was a test of faith. Um, on the way up to that mountain, here's 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 Isaac. Probably, I'm gonna say between fifteen and twenty. He asked Abraham. He said, "Father, where's the lamb?" He didn't. He didn't realize he was gonna be the lamb. Abraham hadn't told him at that time. But remember what Abraham said: God will provide Himself a lamb. God did provide the lamb in Jesus Christ. It's just awesome. I've told y'all so many times, in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is concealed. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is revealed. So, I mean, I, I, we won't make it very far today, but that's okay. This, <laughs> this, no, 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 this is good stuff. No, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. The Bible, I heard an old old preacher actually who taught my Bible college says the Bible can literally from cover to cover be ex- explained in three statements. All right, everybody sees the Bible. All y'all have got a Bible in front of you except for me. Go figure. <laughs> but I've got my notes and I've got my phone in case I need it. But uh, the Bible is not a book. Everybody thinks it's like a school book that tells us what we can and what we can't do. It's just a, it's a book of boring rules. It's not. The Bible, once you understand it, is a love story where Genesis 3.16 comes true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John. John 3.16. Oh, uh, yeah. My bad. My bad. My bad. I, 
I told you my brain can't shift gears that quick. But so I downshifted for you. We knew what you were talking about. Oh, Genesis three fifteen is the first verse that talks about Jesus dying. Genesis three fifteen called the proto evangel. Read that for us, Teresa. Genesis three fifteen. Genesis three fifteen. Yep. That's that's a hard verse to understand, but yes, what what God is telling them? He's telling Israel and Satan, he says, I'm gonna put in between between the nation of Israel and the believers in me and Satan. But what, what he is saying, he said, um, I will crush your head and you will only hurt my, crush my heel. What he's saying is God is declaring there that Satan will be defeated. Uh, Satan will be defeated. It's called the proto-evangel if you really want to get. Judgment on Satan. Yeah, judgment. It takes place during um, when God's telling Adam and Eve their punishment for... Right, punishment for being Yeah, yeah thank so you. Then, but how God will ultimately be delivered. It's like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. But, here, back to my three statements, though. The Bible's a love story, because here's the problem. We're all sinners. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, we have all uh, fell short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's perfect will would be the bullseye, and guess what? We all fall short of it. And that's what that actually literally means. We miss the mark because of sin. So God said, okay, you can't do it on your own, so I'm going to send somebody to do it for you. And he sent that in Jesus. So the real Bible is really a love story of how much Jesus loved us. And here's the three statements. That first one I've already mentioned. As Abraham and Isaac walked up that hill, Isaac says, Father, where's the lamb? And he said, God will provide a lamb. That's the first statement. Then the second statement is found in the Gospels where John the Baptist is baptizing. He looks up, which is really believed that John the Baptist (laughs) and Jesus were cousins. He hadn't met Jesus yet. But John looks up and sees him coming, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in the Old Testament, where is the Lamb? God will provide a Lamb. The New Testament, John sees him. Behold the Lamb. The last statement is in the book of Revelation, where we in heaven forever sing glory to the Lamb. Oh, excuse me, worthy is the Lamb. So the whole Bible is literally, in a sense, we know it's all about Jesus and all about his love. So he sends us, where's the lamb? God will provide a lamb. John sees him, behold the lamb. We get to heaven, we're going to sing, worthy is the lamb. It's all about Jesus because we could not save ourselves. There's nothing we could do good. Yeah, and it's true. There's nothing we can do. It's because of God's love and mercy. All right, now getting back to the new covenant, we will at least finish this today. And that's okay. That's okay. This is good stuff, man. Um, God gives Abraham a covenant. I will make your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the sea. And it come true. David, the Davidic covenant. Okay? David, you don't have to do nothing. 
You have served me and I'm going to honor you and you will help me rule for, forever. The house, David, David's lineage will always, you know, someone will be king for all of eternity. So that's the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant. Later he tells Israel, Israel he tells Israel, he says, if you do thus and this and that, if you do all that, I will be your God. You will be my people and I'll be your God and I will bless you. But I call that a contingency, a contingency promise. God said, if you did this, I will keep my word. Same thing. All right, I'm going to go back to using your kids. If Peyton and Cortland, you clean your room, I'll take you out for ice cream. Now, Grandma will take them out for ice cream regardless because she's Grandma. Uh, but but y'all laid the rules on them. If you do this, I will do this. And that's what God did to the to the nation of Israel. Here's the problem. Israel did just like our kids. <laughs> they ignored us and did their own thing. So finally, God let them be captive. But God in his love and his mercy and in his grace tells Israel, okay, I told you if you did this, I'll be your God and I'll give your blessings. And you messed it up. But I'm not going to cast you away. I'm still going to bless you. This is called the new covenant. And Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Now, by the way, this is all Israel. Israel was 10 tribes. Judah was the two tribes. Israel has 12 tribes. They got in a big fight. They disagreed. They must have been Baptists or something. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, just kidding. They kind of separated. But Israel and Judah is still the nation of Israel. Not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God said, Okay, Israel. If you do this, that, and the other, I'll bless you. I'll be your God. He told them that when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. He told them to kill the enemies. He told them to go possess the land that I've given you. They, fought, they failed and faltered all along the way. And Israel, we know the story. They ended up crucifying Jesus, who was the Messiah. But God said, I still love you. I've promised Abraham. I've promised David. And I promise you. I will honor you. I will take care of you. And as I said last Sunday morning, Israel has missed the blessings of God and they've been kind of set on the back shelf. But God in his love, he just didn't love Israel. He loved, which is the Jew, he loved the Gentile too, which is every non-Jew. That's all of us in here. So we as the Gentiles were brought into the same plan of salvation that the Jews were. We don't have to keep the law like they did because Jesus has already died. But now God says, I'll be your people. And Israel, he says, I will be your God. And by the way, Israel will be saved. 
Because now I'm not talking about just, okay, you're a nation of Israel, you're automatically saved. No, during the tribulation, we know through the book of Revelation, God's going to send 144,000 Jewish evangelists and the whole Israel nation of Israel as it is today will hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit will penetrate their hearts and they're going to realize that Jesus, the one you killed on Calvary, crucified on the cross, he was your Messiah. And there will be a tremendous revival during the tribulation. That's how I told you so. Yep, it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I told you. You didn't want to listen, but but here's the thing. That will take place during the tribulation for the nation of Israel. Right now is the time to be saved for the Gentiles. And once the rapture happens, that time's over. But I don't understand how he says that, how he kept his promise when they didn't accept him. I mean, they didn't remain faithful, but he did. She's saying she don't understand why he, why. You know, why? I mean, why he would like, be that good? Or well, well, I mean, it's like I look at it in the sense as if you don't accept him as your savior, then you're the Israel. He's not going to keep that promise. That that's where I'm going to go. You, you understand yeah. where I'm going? Right. I do. I do. And, and you're right. You're right. The nation of Israel right now are not. I mean, the Israelites who rejected Jesus, who wanted him crucified at Calvary, and the ones that are alive today. They turned their, they rejected Christ. I don't think they'll ever have a chance to be saved. They won't, they won't, no, I don't. I don't believe chance. so. No. Okay, that's what. That, that's yeah. what I was just. Yeah. No, I. I think in the millennium, though, the the, the Jewish nation, those who are alive today. So he if, kept his promise to ones that did believe in him. Serious. Yes. Okay. okay, that's where yes. I was. We're the Jew is saved about the same thing we are. We're saved by faith. Okay. But the Jews have rejected that Jesus was the Messiah and the ones who thought he might decide was the Messiah, they reject even the resurrection. And uh, it's pretty well, deep. The way, the way it just Nathan's thinking it about something like I can read his brain. If they did or they didn't, he still... God's going to remain faithful even though we may not. Okay. God's going to keep his word. But the Jewish nation, if the rapture would happen today, those who are alive would still have a, be, a chance to be saved during the tribulation, when they hear those 144,000, mm -hmm. but they've got to accept it by faith just the same way that we do. Okay. I, was, I was just looking. I, me and another guy at my work have talked to this before because I've, I've struggled with the same thing. Um, I don't, this is just me, I don't fully understand. I know God, in the Old Testament, God calls me chosen people. Mm -hmm. I never fully understood why we still think that today. Um, that it's just something because they've rejected him, right? Yeah, and so it's like, and I always, I don't know, why my thought was like, if they rejected it you, like are the they church, special? People who actually <laughs> kind of replaced what Israel was, but then uh, he, a guy I'm working with, brought to a passage from Romans 11, made me think about it because, and I ain't gonna read the whole thing, but it, um, in verse 17, it says, and if some of the branches are broken off. And now being a wild olive grafted in among them and partakes of the root and the fats of the olive vine, of the olive tree. So it's like we were grafted in with the covenant with Israel, kind of how we were put in with it, with the Gentiles were. Yeah. Well, the tree in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That means you've got to abide in the tree itself or you'll die. And that's just a picture. Right, God is the, the, the tree. 
So the nation of Israel was the tree, but when they rejected Christ, and they were cut off. So they won't have a chance to be saved. Now John Hagee thinks, he teaches that if you're an Israelite, you're going to be saved regardless. I don't believe that. I believe you've that's got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard for me to believe. No. Just because the Israelites who have you died, are, you're going to be saved. Yeah. I didn't think it worked that way. The Jews, the Jews who, are, who have already died and rejected Christ, they, they won't. They won't have a chance. They're gone. They're, they were the branches that were cut off. But this right now is about the Gentiles, not about the Jews. Okay, so the Gentiles are have a chance to be saved now. The Jews will have to have a chance to be saved during the tribulation. Now, Jews still have a chance to be saved, but they got to do it just like us. Okay. Repent, turn from their sin, and place their faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. So now, during the tribulation, they'll have a chance at that 144,000. Yes. And that, that will be the greatest revival on planet Earth ever because these men will be sealed by the Holy Spirit. They will be led by the Holy Spirit. They'll be fed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you've ever been in a church service... And we, we, we experience God's blessings a, a lot here. But if you've ever been in a church service where the Holy Spirit just takes complete control, wow. <clears throat> you won't never want to go back to the way it used to be. Because you could when they had that when they had that tent revival a few years ago in Burlington, you could walk in the tent and sense the Holy Spirit's presence. There were people being saved when they set up the tent. Literally, God's presence was there. I can't explain it. They had like 4,000 4, people saved in a, in a few weeks period. That's the presence of God. You don't see that. You don't hear that. You don't feel that. But if you're there, you can feel it. I was little, running the road, and you would see big tents in 